Welcome back to the Modern Old School Training Podcast. I'm Aaron King with Coach Bob King, and we are getting back into a swing of things. This is kind of the kickoff of a new season. It's we're in the middle of fall sports, and so winter's coming up. And I've been out with a lot of different people uh, that have been on the show. It's been great. But we're going to get back to a little bit of training. And to kick things off in this kind of new chapter, if you will, or a series, let's call it that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the questions you get, mm-hmm. um, and you want to kind of explain what we were talking about before, but explain kind of what this, uh, what led to this well, topic. Well, I'm asked all the time about what do I do to, and you fill in the blank, what do I do to lose five pounds? What do I do to get taller? Well, I can't do that. What do I do to increase my bench or increase my squat, get faster? And there's, there's all these individual questions. But what we'd like to communicate today is all these individual questions are connected to each other. It's just not a improve your bench. It's a not just get faster without improving this, that, or the other. So all these questions are connected. Well, let's start there, okay? I'm coming into the gym. What can I do to improve my bench? Well, in my world, uh, my bread and butter is program design. And so uh, there's, there's been too much enthusiasm to come in and just lift, add weight, lift, add weight, lift, add weight. Uh, we call it periodization. Uh, it's a, a way to uh, predict where you're going to be going as far as like I'm lifting this much today and then on the next workout I'm going to lift this much with these reps. And what that means is every workout is connected. And so what I prefer to do is like, all right, we're going we're gonna to start you off in, a, in just a conditioning phase of repetition. So we'll probably do lots of eights in the early going. Um, we may bench three times in the week. Now, I want to be very careful and listen to this carefully because, you know, a lot of people, you know, jump on that and overdo it. And at the same time, some of uh, my colleagues will say, hey, you bench three times in a week, you're going to crash and burn. But what we'll do, and the way I like to do it is, all right, let's bench uh, sets of eight on first day. Uh, day two, which would be like, let's we'll say Monday, Wednesday, Friday routine, we're going to do dumbbells. We're going to make sure the body's being symmetrical and we're not dominant on one side that can come back to bite us. So it's nothing but a kind of an active recovery with dumbbell presses. And then Friday, I prefer to use that in the three-day scheme as my big day. So those um, eights may become sixes, three sets of eight, three sets of ten, four sets of six. And we have all these available. You'll see them in our training app. So the workouts are, are published. Then as we go, I'm kind of a two-week guy. I've looked at the research. I've looked at the results over the, over the decades. And uh, if we change every two weeks in our scheme, we get a pretty good uh, result from it. And it helps us extend the training. So the two weeks become four, become six, become eight. And what we do is we build in uh, unloading or active recovery about uh, somewhere six to seventh week. We'll start, we'll pull back. And so it's not a mad dash. You know, the, uh, I think strength training is the easiest of the components in athletic development to improve, but it also has to be done intelligently. And so um, I mentioned that three day, we'll take it to two days after the third, into the third week. And so we're kind of crawling f- for two weeks. Uh, and so to improve the bench, take the same approach to improving a squat improving an Olympic lift. We're gonna go in a two week adaptive stage of saying, all right, here's kind of where your baseline strength is. Here's where your techniques need to be worked on and cleaned up. And now week three, we think that that's the best time to start really kind of adding a a hefty part of the program. So right now we're kind of using bench press as the example. But beyond that, who, who's the subject here? Is this how does this apply? The two-week rule apply to gender level well, and that, sport? That's a. I mean, believe it or not, that's a great question because I think it's universal. 
because let's take a, you know somebody who's been a, uh, an athlete in their lifetime who's now working at the office, got the nine, five, nine to five going. Well, they've got a they've got a trickier cycle to work in, and so two weeks is is definite for them. And then I may I may try to with a, a non-athlete try to get to three week cycle because they are uh, they got a long way to go yeah. <laughs> so the the object is now till eternity so to speak and so what we'll do is go ahead and let them have maybe a third week but no doubt we're going to change the program at the week three and I work with these people we have uh, some guys in here who are you know they're, they're in business and they're coming in pretty r- religiously and so my challenge is is 52 weeks I mean that's hard uh, to, to plan out, but fortunately they're they're adults who have families and go on vacation, so my active recovery is built in yeah. and holidays and so forth. But when you start talking about a 52 week cycle, man, that's that's a tough one. And so all the little auxiliary lifts that we would do that um, someone might say like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to up my bench. Why do you have me doing so many pulls? Why do you have me doing so many yeah. things that it's not helping my bench. What's what do you explain to them as far as how balance works? And and that's just first of all, that's not helping my bench. False. And because um, uh, you have to have a good strong platform to push from, you have to have a good stable arms to, to push from. And so when you're when you're doing one thing, let's say just pushing, the back is stabilizing. And so uh, if you ever watch powerlifters, if you ever have a chance to see any video on, on powerlifting, you'll see those guys kind of wiggle and, and, and kind of sink into the bench because they're trying to get that base. And so if their back's not strong, that doesn't matter. So um, a couple of things about it. One, symmetry as far as like if it's an adult there's aesthetics involved and so you do so much bench you don't want your shoulders pulling in to where you have just you know lousy posture uh at the same time you want your clothes to look good on you so uh, we need that wedge or that that back muscle so there's cosmetics for uh, the adults and in the athletes it's balanced to be able to do both because you're going to be going in both directions and uh just let me give you a, a kind of a a non-obvious example is like if you ever watch more more in the heavyweight division, but you see heavyweight boxers, they have huge lats. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute, everything's in front of them. Well, it is because they go forward, but something stops it, and then something retracts it or pulls it back. So it's a front-back proposition, even though nobody would think of boxers or anything but front side. Well, and so I just I I you said it's universal, and I try to specify in the different uh, gender sports, etc. So kind of diving deeper into that when does it kick in if i'm a for the youth athletes uh-huh. um day one um well as far as age like are we talking oh, okay. middle school we're we talking high school we're gonna start um you know if i had to back against the wall here i'd say 12 mm-hmm. um because um uh you're not gonna get statistical improvements so to speak with um uh young ones like 12 uh even you know even though they're not being able to put on let's say large amounts of weight uh there's a couple things going on here and then the bottom line is we're training you how to train mm-hmm. this is how you do it properly here's what it's called here's how you handle the weight and so we're going to train you how to train next we found a byproduct that we weren't looking for and, and everybody knows this part the first part of most strength gains for anybody is neuromuscular because if you've not lifted before it's just like we see the wobble and every time somebody comes in new athlete or nine old or young and they get that wobble i just say that's 
that's going to go away. Don't worry about it. And it's almost instant because their body figures it out pretty quick. And so they start stabilizing it. And that's a nervous system uh, event. And so with the young ones, they learn how to train and they have the wobbling and they can't handle a lot of weight. But with the athlete athletic population, we found out something kind of a, a, from a neuromuscular standpoint is that now it doesn't matter what I do. If I play tennis, golf, baseball, I have, a, I have limb control or implement control. My you know, club head speeds faster, racket speeds faster, bat speeds faster. And uh, we, we semi-proved this because we had a group of 13-year-olds coming in lifting, new to, to weightlifting, who played baseball. And I caught a dad one day and I go, how's his batting average? And I thought something great would happen. And it's like, oh, I don't, I'm not a hitting instructor. Well, he goes, eh, batting average about the same, more bases. And I'm, oh, wait a minute, what? Yeah, singles or doubles, doubles or triples, he's got more home runs. Well, the strength was coming into play, but more the limb control. And what that means is he could swing the bat where it needed to go and not just kind of hope it got where it was going to go. Strength produces speed, so bat head speed was faster. And so, obviously, he got more bases. Uh, Carry that over into the whole athletic development principle, in terms of running, limb control helps us be able to say, look, here's where the arm tracks. This is the arm path for your sprinting. So uh, that's the hardest thing I deal with with the young ones. Their, limb, their arms are all over the place. And that 12 years old kind of, that might vary based on the, the, the athlete. Yeah, they're not all, you know, not all created equal. So we'll have variances in that, you know, the man child and then just like, okay, this is going to be a project. Yeah. And that's okay, but uh, we don't know when the physical part's going to kick in. So. There's the the next thing that kind of the evolution of this question is now, where is the differentiation of I am training for competitive bench press where it's literally just about the bench yeah. or bench press is just an element of my athletic development where I want it. To, I want those numbers to grow, but it's really not like the end all be all. Right. But, but for a competitive lifter, it kind of is. In academy, let's take that for example. And the competitive lifter it ends up being some of these adults like I'm talking about. Well, as a coach in periodizing and all whatnot, I have to look way out and look ahead like, um, you know, can I get a 12-week cycle out of this? That's a long time, actually. And so what we'll end up doing is, is trying to plan out, let's see, um, how long can I stretch out the early stra- stage and just build a strong base and then start pinpointing, you know, let's say the one RM, the one rep max, and be able to get to that max point because what we find in everybody is that when you reach a max point it is a max point so you've got to start falling back off again so we have to build in that peak and then that beginning to the valley and so without crashing and burning we build it in say right here in uh, eight nine weeks we want to be at this level and if we hit that level we're going to come we're going to come right off of it Uh, just to kind of catch a breath because it goes fast and furious week six depending on the progress or seven, we'll have an unloading week and we'll back way off. And then, you know, you can kind of look for it, but we call it residual training effect. The body freshens up, the nervous system recovers, and here we go back up again. With the athletes, uh, you know, you kind of, from a coach's standpoint, you kind of have to look at a uh, observational, a field observation and say, okay, uh, once we get to this point with your height, weight, size, you know, as far as size, meaning shoulder width and so forth, this is where we're going to cap you off. And then we'll, we'll kind of wave load it and come on and off with the rep scheme so that you're able to, you know, do eights and then six and fives and threes and six and eights. And that way we can, we can wave load you and allow you to gain your strength 
And to help the athletes understand, we just call it building capacity. And you cannot maintain a one RM on a very long basis. In other words, you can't come in every week and do, let's say, 300. Next week, 305, then 315. It's just, you're, gonna, you're just going to max your body out. And let me say this, in two, in sports, that's not the only thing you're doing if you're an athlete. Right. You're running, conditioning, uh, competing. And so the body stress is cumulative, so you're going to run out of gas. How, how, much, how much do you, do you like or not like just eccentric, or, uh, eccentric movements where we're just trying to do more control? Because there's, there's several things, and I'll expand on that. We have one, you have your basic rep schemes. You can add bands, you can add chains, you can add all these different elements. I'm always kind of of the thought, I don't get bored in the weight room like some folks might, so I just want to use the most effective thing each time. And if, sometimes there's things, gadgets, that just feel more gimmicky than they do effective. Or, right. And I, I, I'm just an example. Let's, let's say <laughs> yeah. chains are way more effective than bands, just hypothetically. And yes. I, you can tell me whether it's not that's true. Then I'm just going to use chains every time, even though bands might mix it up a little yeah. bit and might have a different type of um, stability, you know, uh, that impacts you know my bench, but maybe it's not moving the needle enough. Just thoughts on yeah. kind of that control. Um, I have done, a, I think, most of it in my career, and so uh, I'll I'll side with you that I think the chains are phenomenal. We have several sets here, and we use them regularly. And uh, uh, the thing about chains, bands, and whatnot, they are. They are good mentally because they say, oh, that was different. That was good. I like that. Well, it keeps you engaged mentally with the training because, like, oh, I don't want to do this again today. Oh, wait, to see, wait till you see what we got today. Um, I don't use a lot of bands just because they're coaching intensive because they are unstable. And I, I'd rather just have a, a, let's call it a strong resistance than a wobbling resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um uh, one thing when I, I didn't I didn't come up with this I saw it a uh, picture and I thought I can do this I like it and so um, we will take a, uh, a stretch band and tie a kettlebell on it and hang it off the bar and it, it's not anchored to the ground but it's moving and so you are your st- stabilizing muscles are working overtime to keep that bar uh, in, in its right path so that said here's what here's what we've learned over the years with research is that Unstable environments, whether it's a BOSU ball or bands or stuff like that, they're good for stability, as the name says, stability ball, but they are also limiting to the amount of strength you can gain because of the unstable environment. So maybe it's more for the just the prevention, the injury, and the the athletic side than the purely the strength. It becomes a tool. Okay. Uh, It becomes a variation. It becomes a uh, we're going to work on stability today. But it's not your bread and butter. Uh, the the periodized rep scheme or program design is is your bread and butter. And over the years, because uh, we've been very fortunate, we have athletes in our programs for years. I mean, through their career, and we've had middle school go to high school, that go to college, that stayed with us when they can, coming from school for summer, and stay with our program for for years. And it's been a blessing. And what we have found is that uh, we have to challenge them. And so these little changes that you're talking about, whether it's change bands or so forth, help keep them fresh. And uh, I've had athletes come, come back from college after their senior year in high school through the summer. First year of college, they come back to us, and they've been in the program before. It's like, dude, we got to change the program. They know this stuff too well, even though it's been uh, nine months since they've been here. We've got to find a new way to challenge them. And it's been very rewarding because we had to be creative and send them off their next – uh, college season better than them when they came in. 
Right. Well, I just want to ask that one because, I, yeah. like I said, I, I don't get bored. I'm kind of a creature of habit. I can do I the same too. thing every day and, you know, it's what works. So, all right. Well, um, I think there's plenty of other rabbit holes we could dive down on this, but uh -huh. we can save that for another episode. Sure. This was, um, I thought, really good just kind of diving yeah. into a little bit of the, the thought process. Uh, yeah, the going. thought process. All Yeah, that's really good. So if you have any questions or you want to get anything clarified, uh, if you're on YouTube, just leave a comment below. You can tweet um, or just message us. But he's at Coach Bob King on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at DeepSnap. Go to KingSportsTraining.com. Create a free account. There's workouts and training guy, um, all sorts of training programs. And there's some courses. And then, of course, we have the newsletter that we will send out with updates and content as it comes out. But uh, that's all we got for today. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. See you next time.